Here's a place where all of us can be safe. Our stories of transformation can be safe, and all the things we want to research are safe here. This is Safe Space with Cheyenne. I'm really excited you're here, and I hope you stick around for a while, because I've got a lot to show you before I leave Earth. I love you guys. Hello, all my friends. Today is a special day. I call it Liz Day at my house because I am finally interviewing the best-selling author from the book called WTF Just Happened, or What the Fuck Just Happened, depending on how you'd like to read it. It is a mind-blowing book. I'm still in the middle of reading it. I'm still in the middle of loving it, even from touching the pages and touching the cover of the book. But we are talking about a sciencey skeptic perspective on dealing with grief, healing, and understanding the afterlife as an atheist. I cannot tell you how excited I am to bring Liz on the show and have her tell this whole story. I was a skeptic before I started looking into all the things that I am into and have moved on from. So I just felt like when I really found this book, I found another person who wondered the way that I did and really wasn't scared to go out and be like, okay, screw it. I'm going to go see what spoon bending's about. I'm going to go on a ghost tour. I'm going to go study this. I'm going to go study this. I have to have the direct experience for myself. So Liz has come on today to share not only her book that I have back here in the background for y'all on YouTube to see, but just to kind of tell us all the crazy shit that has happened to her and what made her write the book in the beginning. So welcome to the show. Wow. Thank you for having me. That, I love that intro. Thank so you. yeah, that sums it up. It's just been like nothing but crazy shit. So... Yes. And I feel that too, for my direct experience, for what I'm going on. But for Mm -hmm. you, so you grew up in a household that, I mean, basically just atheist. It's not like, I don't really know like another term. I remember you said it was just kind of like secular, like you did the regular holidays that everybody kind of does. But for the most part, like the afterlife was just kind of like wishful thinking. Yeah. Oh, and sorry, that was Pickles just popping up and saying hello. <laughs> He's going to do that. No problem. Um, so, yeah, well, it, so I grew up, you know, there's different kinds of atheists, I think. There's people in atheist families where people grew up, like, religious, and then they're very staunch atheists, and it's a reaction to their religion. Then they're just purely secular cultures where mm-hmm. religions just in terms of God and afterlife, very irrelevant. And that, I would say, was more how it was. I grew up in New York City in, like, a very kind of more intellect-based household. I grew up culturally Jewish. Um, My dad was Jewish. My mom, Protestant. Neither of them raised especially religious. I And I guess my dad was raised somewhat religious, but I think it was more about being super embedded in Jewish culture the way he was raised. So... We did all the holidays, both Christian and Jewish, but, like, Christmas was about Santa Claus, you know, Hanukkah was eight presents, and just sort of, like, fables that went along with that, and so, like, God was just irrelevant, so it wasn't one of those, like, let's have an atheist club, like, the way you hear some people, it was was just, you know, in New York City culture, the area at least I was in, just, it was just, I don't think my friends and I ever even talked about God or anything. And it wasn't really until I went to college and I went to college in the South in Austin, Texas. And my friends are pretty progressive and Austin's a pretty progressive city, but nevertheless, 
you had people from all over Texas in the South, which is a lot more religious based. And I noticed it was really just different. It was just sort of like a thread of religion and God was part of their lives in a way it never was for mine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but I never gave it much thought. I just wasn't that. Yeah. It wasn't like a part of it. I'm glad that you elaborated on that. Cause I know when people hear the word atheist, it really is like a reaction to a religion. It's just like, no, I do not subscribe to that. No, that's not me. Like you always hear those like hardcore people, but um, I can, I can imagine you just being like going to Austin where it's literally about like God and guns, right? <laughs> like all of Texas. And Austin was more chill. Like liberal, I hung out with like a lot of people from more of the cities. Well, I mean, not to say that there weren't totally like open-minded like yeah, people yeah, from the sure. small towns. I had people from all over, but you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't necessarily hang out with all the gods and guns people, but I had never seen uh-huh. any of that in my life. So I was kind of like, holy shit. But wow. I did I felt like I was such an outsider, just like <laughs> it was as extreme as if I was like when I was backpacking Thailand, like when that stuff came up, I just I mean, unless someone said something super offensive, yeah. I just took steps backward and was mm-hmm. like, OK, just like I would like in Thailand be like, I can't believe you're doing this. But yeah, some of the more offensive stuff I definitely spoke up, but I just yeah, I'd never been exposed to any of that. It seemed so it was just more like, yeah, I, I, it was definitely a bit surprising in the beginning. Yeah. So life's progressing this way uh your dad comes down with an illness and while he's going through this illness you just having having these thoughts of afterlife and if he goes what's going to happen like just attacking you is what i would assume at the time like how Uh, how did those thoughts come to you yeah and i wouldn't say it yeah it it was it was more, they weren't coming to me. Like, I would have loved if they were. It was more my very first thought. Like, my dad's, you know, anyone's been through this. Like, you have that talk with a doctor, you, you know. And you just, you're basically told things are not going to be okay. And I just remember the doctor was like, well, basically, he's going to hospice. If, you know, sometimes there's a miracle. I guess that's how they it's worded to people to digest it. And I was like, well, I don't believe in miracles. I believe in science. And remember just saying that because I, you know, now I've known so many different grieving people that some are like, well, then I prayed that moment. I was just like, once you say the answer is a miracle, like I don't consider, I consider that like zero chance mm-hmm. of happening. So while he was in hospice then, like or that day, my very first thought was, okay. And this wasn't, completely logical but it came to me logically but it wasn't like oh I believe this the same way like if a doctor walked in and was like here's a medicine that actually works really well for he'd had a stroke and it spread infections if they're like this is a new medicine in a study I'd be like yes let's go do it but my very thought was okay most of science fiction comes true if you look at science fiction from like the 70s 80s or at least a large portion of it and I mean, we're talking about like populating Mars in a realistic way, probably not in our lifetime, but you know, those are the things we're talking about. We have Zoom, iPhones. And so I thought about all that and I was like, well, one large component of science fiction is time travel. Is there any way time travel is at all possible? If it is, and people are time traveling and we would have no idea. So maybe. 
And so I Googled that because my thought was, you know, one day when I have children, give them the information when my dad got sick and they'll go to their kids, their kids, like a couple thousand years down the line, maybe someone will know how to travel back in time, pull him back, pull him into the future and medicine will be a whole other thing and people will live to like 500, who knows? So I Googled that, not, that's what I meant. Like I didn't accurately think I was going to be like, oh good, now I can build a time machine. It was just one of those sort of desperate <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. And I found out, in theory, time travel's completely possible. It's, in theory, it's not realistic. But if we had materials to build a spaceship that traveled close to the speed of light, we could, in essence, time travel. Not as flawlessly as I just talked about. You, can't, you couldn't go back and just turn back time and save someone who passed, say, in an accident. But... Time is a lot more malleable than we experience it. And one example I found was um, the Einstein's twin theory or twin experiment. And that is if you take two twins, and I'm, I have the theory right, but I'm going to have the time frame wrong but or imprecise. But if you take two twins, one travels at close to the speed of light for, let's say, five years of their time, and they accomplish whatever someone could accomplish in five years, like in a spaceship, <laughs> they come back and their twin would have aged like 30 years and they aged five years. And I was just like, that goes against everything I understand about how the world works. And that just, I read further. I started to read about spooky action at a distance, which means that two particles are entangled. And this is also Einstein. I mean, this is like traditional physics. So Two particles are entangled, and the best way they describe it is, like, let's say one is spinning one direction, the other spins the other, and they have that communication entangled. So if you change, let's say one is spinning counterclockwise and the other spins clockwise, you change the counterclockwise one to clockwise, and the other particle changes its spin. Now, if you separate them, like, even on opposite ends of, like, uh, like light, like light years away the they still communicate instantaneously and the spin still changes so i was like there is some mechanism like this does not and there's other things like i can go to the split particle experiment which is another like all these physics experiments were just like I love there's the something entanglement one the most when you start quantum entanglement that, like, bring that up now because when i came across that i was just like oh there you go <laughs> there's my rational science that i need for an energy I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. And we have no idea the mechanism they use to communicate. We have no idea how they're communicating that quickly because they're communicating faster than the speed of light. Literally and so I was like, mode. that. so this was all the stuff I was reading. And I was like, what else could be true? And that's where I got into afterlife. And I can get my into my first thought about that and how I even found that. But of course, continue. Okay, I continue on. Okay, I wasn't sure if you had like more physics questions. No, okay, no, no, so no. that that could open my mind as well as like delving into like more physics. This wasn't like one YouTube video. I spent about like a week reading nothing but like everything I could on physics, and it was just that was like this huge what the fuck. So then my next thought was. So, if, and this is how I thought consciousness worked at the time, if 
our brain neurons fire the way they do and create consciousness. And this consciousness happens to be me, and I get to experience a consciousness as a human being. And it happened once. Now, why could that not happen again in a couple hundred years? Like, I wouldn't be Liz again. My dad wouldn't be himself. He probably wouldn't, like, the odds out of billions of people, we probably would never even meet each other. Because in my mind at this time, it was just this completely random material evolutionary, like, coincidence that humans even developed. And... So I was like, okay, so that happened once. I'll get to be a human being again at some point. I won't be Liz. But, you know, when your only other frame of reference is complete obliteration, like mm-hmm. your standards are pretty low. And I thought that seemed fantastic if that was possible. And it seemed more probable to me than you just didn't have one time that you'd experience something. And then I just had a random thought. I was like, if that happens, especially now that I read about like quantum entanglement, could there ever be any way that somehow a memory could imprint into the next person? It wouldn't be like karma. It wouldn't have a spirituality of the typical reincarnation. And I did a Google search and this was like the most life-changing Google search I ever did. Like, and that is where I found the research of Dr. Jim Tucker and his mentor who has since passed away, Dr. Ian Stevenson. And so Jim Tucker was the first, Dr. Tucker, sorry, was the first one I found. And he said it was, he was a, I found it on like NPR and then Scientific American. And he's a child psychiatrist. He's a professor at the University of Virginia. And he studies cases of kids with past life memories from like a science-based psychiatric perspective. And my very first thought when I saw this I was like oh like wow but I'm sure he just studies this out of interest like there's nothing no validity to this so I started reading it and he is studying cases of kids with past life memories and Dr. Ian Stevenson was too and they're getting facts that they go and verify and they're completely verifiable and not 100% but they have like thousand cases probably more at this point and I was, it was the most life-changing thing because I also found out that not only is he a professor at the University of Virginia and a psychiatrist with a practice, he does research through the University of Virginia through a division called the Division of Perceptual Studies, again, through a major, highly reputable university. It's filled with different scientists, professors, and researchers studying all forms of survival of consciousness, studying near-death experiences. I was like, what the fuck? Universities are studying this? And that just opened my eyes to everything. And just, like, I found one thing after another after another. You just fell down in a rabbit hole. And we're it's yes. like Alice. You're like, oh, all these things, like, floating oh, around you. What exactly. Did it, what did it feel like, go- like... The Google search that you're talking about, basically when you found that like highly reputable people out there in universities and corporations are studying this, like, did you just like sit there and shake your head for a minute and kind of get like cognitive dissonance for a second? Exactly. It was like, I felt the feeling of like when you're waiting to get a diagnosis and you're about to hear like a life-changing diagnosis I'm like this like I 
this is just the most life-changing thing. And if it's the answer is good, this will be the best thing that has ever happened. I mean, beyond getting my dream job, beyond like meeting the guy I want to, this is just, I, there weren't really, it, it was just, it, it was just unbelievable. But I was also, I mean, my, and my heart was in my throat and I read it and I just read it and it wasn't like, I'm going to read this one thing and oh my God, this changes everything. This is all truth. I was also like, there's got to be a catch. So it was like ups and downs and this emotional roller coaster. And I would start to read things and I was like, oh, but this, if this would, that he hasn't addressed this or, and then it would be addressed the next page. And I was like, this is crazy. But I was also like, you know, questioning, is he believable? Is there a catch that, I'm that the skeptics are seeing because they're just they're saying this is all nonsense and they're smarter than me and they're seeing something that I'm not able to see delving into this research and you know it was like oh he's just one person which is why I've now been doing this for seven years and I'm still like oh my god and I still sometimes wonder is there a catch although at this point of the multiple catches I kept imagining along the way and checking out and found out that those were not catches. The one thing I've come up with that could explain all this and there still wouldn't be an afterlife is if there is some way physics works that has not even been discovered yet that explains everything I've seen and the answer isn't an afterlife. That's the only thing I can come up with that would be not an afterlife and that we have no idea what that is, like not even close. So I definitely agree with you that we have no idea what's going on and if we <laughs> actually knew what was going on, our human minds aren't even capable of comprehending just the extravagancy of what's actually out there. I mean, NASA alone just blows my mind with a telescope, right? They're like, hey, look, look what's out there. Look at all that stuff out there. We can't get there. We know something's out there, but look at all that. That exists. And I mean, even back into like being a kid in the 90s, like you didn't think about stuff like this. I mean, I grew up in you know, we had religion on our home. We we talked about God. We had all that stuff. I mean, we still have it. I don't know why I'm past tensing it. I'm trying to put your minds back in the 90s. But even when you think about, like, what's out there and what happens when people pass on, they always have, oh, they turn into your guardian angel. They'll always be with you, all this stuff. And there's parts of that that I personally do believe. Like, I do believe your loved ones will always be able to reach out to you in some way, but are you capable of receiving their transmission because they're on a different frequency? I still wonder. Not, well, I mean, I could go into my personal experiences of why I have the beliefs I have, but speaking from like my skeptic perspective, um, I love trying to blend almost the science and the spirit of it because I don't want to take the you know, magnificence out of what our souls are. I love that you were saying, you know, I'll never be Liz again, but you know, I could be born again in another lifetime. And I love that you have that perspective because I do too. And it always like thinking like that and almost like that third person aspect of yourself is just like, I really have to honor Cheyenne's time in this incarnation. I really just have to make sure that whatever I can do and want to do, I'm going to go do it because Cheyenne specifically, never going to happen again. 
But I'm a huge believer in higher self and oversoul and all of us being pieces of the one same big collective source. And if there's one thing that we were taught was God's love and Jesus's love and just any of those other enlightened beings, they all talked about the same highest frequency of love that like love operates everything. And then when you start looking around the world, no matter what anybody's missing or doing or wanting, all of us have this like innate string that ties us all together. And it's this loneliness that we all have. We're all craving something. We're all looking for something to fill this piece that's missing. And it always made me wonder if it was the love of where we all originally came from. If our souls do in fact reincarnate over and over and over, how long have you actually been away from home? And us in our human experience, we know what it feels like to go away from home. Maybe if you just go to college at first, it's your freshman year, you still go back home and do your laundry because you're used to being at home. But then sophomore, junior, senior goes, you're used to being away from home, but you still remember, oh, I have a home and I miss it. I'm just out here exploring. So when I think in the realm of reincarnation and how many lives we all individually could potentially have, not even getting into extraterrestrial talk, okay? We will not go Dolores Cannon on this episode because it will take forever. We'll just stick with humans. But when you think of if I had, if you and I had reincarnated and we had 500 lives, how many life, how much time were those lifetimes and how long have we been away from home? So then over time, this loneliness and this forgetfulness of the love that we came from um, is what's slowly eating away at all of us. And I think the awakening aspect of it, of us realizing like, oh, I just miss home. Oh, like it's not a materialistic gain that I need to like shove myself full. Like there's a disconnection in spirit in understanding spirit and how no matter what you believe in some, we're all missing a piece of the puzzle, right? So like people like you and me are going out and being like, okay, what's really going on? I'm just going to go have some direct experience with a bunch of things that I am supremely skeptic about or don't believe in at all because now I'm curious and I'm innocently curious because I would really like to know what, where my loved ones go or where, like, where am I going to go? What's going to happen to me? And for me, I don't know if it's for you, but it makes me want to like live and explore more understanding and like really finally getting, I guess that I'm like, man, the one life to live, I get that, but it's like one life to live for Cheyenne. And I really do want to live it to the fullest. And, um, I always take it back to a scene. Did you ever see that Disney movie soul where they, I haven't, everyone's telling me I have to see it. It's oh, I, I know I need to see it. It's, it's the it's, cutest uh... thing in the world. So I'm, it's a little spoiler alert, but it's one of my favorite scenes because I feel like I am soul number 27, which is a big character reference in the movie. It's they're in the school area, um, before they incarnate. So they're learning what they're going to do before they incarnate on earth. And when they're like done, they get to come down and 27 doesn't want to come to earth. Doesn't want to learn anything. Doesn't want to progress at all. And it's just kind of scared of coming back to earth and all that. So there's another like higher being that comes in and basically there's a scene where it talks about like souls can't eat pizza. Do you, do you know that, right? Like if you're a human, you get to experience these things with your human senses that we on this plane can't. 
So it even showed like the soul like trying to eat the pizza and it coming down, which this was actually the man that died Mm -hmm. that did it because he was human and then he was in spirit form and he tried to go back into the physical world and still experience things like he was a human. So through being a soul, he realized what he had missed out on being a human because he wasn't, he took all of his senses and everything he could do as a human for granted. Seriously, one of the cutest movies ever, but I think about that all the time when I eat all my favorite foods. I'm like, this is for you, Cheyenne, because when you die, you can't eat pizza in the afterlife. It, you need your physical vessel for all these things. And then all these everyday, ordinary things that seem to be mundane and just, ugh, I'm like, okay, well, this could be the last time that I do it, right? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know my checkout date. But I'm really enjoying this now, and it even helps me, like, live in the moment more with those itty-bitty moments as well. Yeah, I, I, re- I relate to a lot of that. Um, I definitely feel more, like, very invested in who I am right now. I've changed my mind a lot from what I said about how I imagined it when I first discovered Dr. Tucker's work. Like, I no longer think the most likely explanation is consciousness is created by a brain. Um, I, I mean, I haven't ruled it out, but I don't think that, I, I, I think that's, I think there's more to I, it. I, I think the other is much, yeah, yeah, I think there's like an entanglement. I think who we are is stored in some form of like non-local, non-physical consciousness and it download and quantum entangles into our brain and then brains of other beings at, at different periods of time. And yeah, I really think like. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think, like, it it does motivate me a lot. I feel more motivated, I guess, more, like, less existential dread and more just, like, okay, I can enjoy being Liz and who I am. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, most likely, I think aspects of my personality will continue just, like, aspects of who I am today versus who I am at two years old or who I was at two years old is similar, but in many ways a completely different person. And I think there's much, there's a more extremity of that. So I and differences like, as time goes on, so in different lives. I'm right there with you with all of this. I agree. But have you looked into, like, DNA research and cellular research of memory storage and looked at the stories of, like, heart transplant people who got a heart transplant and now they have the memories of the people's heart or, like, eyes, other parts of the body. There was a lady, I can't remember what she got a transplant of, but immediately after, maybe it was a kidney, immediately after she started just doing full-on construction of her whole house, like she had just always been a construction worker. She just loved to do it, da-da-da-da-da, and then like eventually went and met the family and found out like all the same way that she works on the house, everything she's interested in was what he was interested in. I've heard about this stuff. I haven't delved deeply into it. It's really interesting. I don't mm-hmm. fully know what I think about it. I yeah. mean, there's so many. Uh, it's hard to say. Is it that if like our consciousness is all non-local? Is that person who's passed away like going in then and ent- entangling with this other person? It it shows that not all of who we are is stored in the brain the way I think there's always been this assumption that everything is brain, but mm-hmm. there's a lot more talk that a lot of who we are, a lot of what we think is the brain is stored in our guts. And I relate to that too on many ways, because I think we as a culture have 
done a lot of work of turning off what feels right in our guts and only using our brain. I think that's made us more confused, even mm-hmm. if we think it's made us more logical. Um, makes me wonder too, like where do memories imprint and where do, how much of our personality that imprints could just be like physical DNA versus personalities and well, versus DNA like parts sense. of us that are just always going to be with us if, you know, we do live multiple lives. It's just, it's so complicated. I, I think when we get into this, we could talk some about some of the data and studies, but it really, this kind of gets much more into philosophy than anything mm-hmm. factual. And even when you get into it, you said, you'll never be Cheyenne again. I'll never be Liz again. That also can get into some forms of philosophy too, and questioning about time, because there are theories that Every minute in time is constantly going on. So I will always be Liz and I will always be the other people that I have been in the past or other beings, not only humans. And that is all kind of happening. And, you know, and it's never not going to happen. It's just we keep experiencing moments, but in a way we don't fully understand. I'll be eternally experiencing these moments. I'll be eternally experiencing moments as the other beings I am. And then there's this like, non-local consciousness that's like entangled with all of them and i'm these many people with, yeah i mean there's I mean, this is just getting into philosophy and, and then timelines you... and yes you speak my language i just love to hear you talk i'm like trying to make sure i don't interrupt you because i'm just like the way you talk you have a wonderful cadence to you and the words that you're pulling out you're using some of my favorite words in physics and philosophy and in science so i'm like I'm so glad we're here. I'm so glad. Oh, yeah, we this met. is so fun. I know. Yes. It's it's really fun to talk with you. So yeah. Okay, so I have a couple questions pertaining to the book. I know that I don't want to give the whole story away at all. Um, because okay. again, like I really encourage people to go get it. Whether you're a Kindle person or a book person, as you can see, I'm a book person, but I just love having it in my hand and flipping it and I even go out mm-hmm. and buy personalized bookmarks. I'm still well in the nineties okay. and two thousands of the book crew. Yeah. But um, by the end of the summer, I'll just add, I'm going to be recording my audiobook this summer. So an audiobook will be available in the fall for those of us who like audiobooks. I'm a big audiobook. I like alternate Kindle audiobook. But yeah, I've got I'm getting more and more into audiobooks. So there will be an audiobook at some point. Good. Not too far in the future at all. We will definitely add that in. Um, I have never went to a seance or spoon bending class and I'm all about like, Hey, let's go experience this. And then now obviously having my platform, I like to record it and show people so they can live vicariously through the experience if they're scared to. Right. Um, but what made you want to go to a spoon bending class? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, so the spoon bending, it was actually, I ended up in a spoon bending class. I didn't even intentionally, but I had wanted to go to one anyway. So I'll back up a little bit how I even ended up there. I was taking classes at a place called the Ryan Education Center, and they take a scientific approach to studying, you know, afterlife, psi abilities, psychic abilities, parents. It really falls under the umbrella of it's either called cyclical research or parapsychology, which is, you know, logical approach to studying this inexplicable. And they've been around since the 18, no, early 1900s. They used to be part of Duke University and they've since branched off on their own. So my teacher there, Lloyd Arbach, had mentioned spoon bending. And I was like, I had just assumed spoon bending was a bullshit magic trick. So I was like, holy shit. 
I got to try this at some point because if you could actually bend a spoon, that everything, I, I mean, that would just be, I guess at the, my, the flash of my head is I would believe this if you could actually bend a spoon. And I'll just say no. Like, I the bar to this day still, I'm like, well, if this happened, then I'd believe it. Then it happens and I'm like, okay, well, that adds to a little bit of the evidence, but still. like, So, and then... I will say coincidentally, my medium friends will say it's not a coincidence. I had found this medium, Lorlin Jackson. She has since she's become a friend of mine at this point, and not to give away, like yeah, obviously if I wrote the book, I've come to believe them. But at first, I was like, oh, she's, what? She's up to something. I've got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. But I found her because, and this this is kind of the trajectory of the book, but um. I found her because there was a researcher initially found, because at the very beginning, the part I said about Dr. Tucker was just me reading, huddled up in bed reading scientists. So I found two scientists. One is Dr. Diane Hennessy Powell, and she had been like a professor, I believe. I know I'm going to have this all wrong, so I feel terrible and have her bio perfect, but she either attended like Harvard Medical School or and then Johns Hopkins, or she was a professor at one of them, but she'd both studied with and or been a professor involving like Harvard and Johns Hopkins. And she wrote books on psychic abilities. So I reached out to her and asked her if she, she suggested any psychic mediums. I expected to get back, you know, first of all, I was embarrassed. I'm like, this woman's going to think I'm the stupidest person. And instead I got back, or I expected to get back, like, you know, it's really interesting there. You, there's been a little bit of research, but nothing that's been conclusive. Instead, she's like, you need to try this woman, Laura Lynn Jackson. So then I was like, okay, this like really reputable scientist who also is open to this stuff. So she's not as traditional as many of the scientists says there's something to this. So then that was kind of the feeling, I, same feeling I had when Dr. Jim Tucker was getting such positive results on case of kids with past life memories. And so I was like, okay, there's something going on. And then at the same time, I found this other woman, Dr. Julie Beischel, and also Mark Bacuzzi, who's her husband. And they, Dr. Beischel is a pharmacologist, very like methodical, very science-minded. And she had started the Windbridge Institute, which still exists, and they do scientific research on psychic mediums, and they certify them under really tight controls. They have up to quintuple blinded studies, and one of the things in my early grief was just being huddled in bed, reading the books by Dr. Julie Beischel, reading their studies that they publish on the Windbridge Institute, and I was just like, I, I don't know what I think of this. This seems insane. And But I was like, okay, I'm if I actually got a reading with a medium. And so I go down the list of the Winbridge ones. I was like, I'll definitely do a Winbridge one. And Laura was the first one I saw who was in New York. And I was in New York at the time. And I mean, I'm there most of the year. I do a little bit of time in LA. But I was like, I've got to do it in person because I want to watch what she's doing. I'm not going to do these phone readings because they're probably sitting there Googling. And so I reached out there. I like hid my identity and got her wait list. And she has an incredibly long wait list. So she also taught workshops. I'm like, well, I'm going to go to her workshops and see what's going on. And I'm like, you're still I also kind of had... skeptical at this point. You're like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to break this oh, magician. I thought trick. there was like, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And then I end up getting some readings with some other mediums, which, like, you know, it was, it was just kind of this whole trajectory. So by the time I got to her first workshop, I'd had a couple readings. One was amazing, and then the ones after it were not good. So I was like, I did I sort of imagine the first medium reading? Because I hadn't recorded it. I didn't know you were supposed to record. I have recorded every single one after that. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know to do it. So always record your readings, but... Like, I got a lot of verification about that first reading later, because I was like, it was life-changing with this woman, who I would give her a name, but she's no longer doing this, and she was very, just sort of underground and did it for a while. But then I go to Laura's first class, and I was like, like, some weird shit happened. And I was like, and she seemed really trustworthy and really likable, and I was asking her every annoying question. I was like, do you know people in the CIA, basically? (laughs) And I was like, why don't scientists believe this? And I was just, like, asking her about, like, all these science questions. And she was really patient with me. And I was like, she's really normal. And then I went back to her next workshop and where she was doing group readings. And that's where we happened to be doing spoon bending. And coincidentally, I was going to her class right the day after Lloyd Arbach's class at the Rhine where he mentioned spoon bending and then night before going to her class I was like oh I've got to find a spoon bending workshop because I want to test if Lloyd Arbach's right so I go to Laura's and I end up bending a spoon in her the second class of hers that I went to so I was just like that's that shit yeah my eyes would flutter I would be I, like I mean, what oh yeah I mean beyond my eyes fluttering I was just like I mean, I well, what's the out. science part of your brain telling you right now? Like the left side of your brain trying to like coach you through it so you don't literally just like fry. Like, were were you trying to explain physically? You're like, the reason this happened is because this molecule and this energy and like, how did you explain it to yourself after you had the direct experience? I think this was just like. I, I had taken time off of work and sort of out of my life and moved home for the year after losing my dad because I was not in a good place. And all I was doing this was this stuff and reading it and learning it. So th- it was just like, yes, I was like astounded and shocked. But every minute of my life was spent trying to process this and trying to explain this stuff and like mix it with little grief waves. So it was just like, this was like what my life was like then. So I was just like, holy shit, you know, but I'd already read I guess Lloyd Arbach's one of his books or he'd explained that I guess I thought it was somehow like the same way our consciousness works that if it was non-local and we survive when I say non-local I mean not like connected to a brain surviving bodily death and I'd already heard about signs and had maybe gotten a few signs and how they impact like they can impact objects like make feathers appear and so I thought this was an example that added to the evidence that maybe somehow this like whatever like non-physical consciousness is engaging with these spoons I mean and I did it carefully like I was trying really hard to use my strength before you know to test it before we went into the part we were trying to bend it with our energy and then I mean it it was really like experiential because it got really really hot my hands got super hot and it just like took no strength to bend over like could I have bent it with strength? Maybe. Like, but although Laura said sometimes when people do, like the spoon just snaps in half. And it, this was just got like super soft. It became really pliable. I want to go to my spoon f- bending class. What? After I saw that. 
after I saw that, I was like, she's inspired me to find someone that will teach me how to do this because I just want to have that experience. It's really, like, it, it's it's amazing. Like, I've gone to a lot of other spoon-bending things since, and I hadn't had any luck bending them again, and then I had one experience where I think I used my strength, but I want to investigate that a little more. But this time, I didn't feel like strength. Like, it, it felt it was weird. So when you were going and doing, like, the ghost hunting tours, you were still pretty skeptical then and looking for, like, EVP evidence or like what was your what was important to you to find out in the ghost hunting to now push the bar up again so I didn't actually go on tours I took classes about them okay great and I met with ghost hunters so Lloyd Arbach taught classes on ghost hunting because he's a parapsychologist he's also a stage magician so he knows like what to look for and then I met with another like ghost hunter although probably like i would say more parapsychologist because like a lot of ghost hunting can have sensationalism surrounding it and the other one is called dan sturges and lloyd arbach gave me his name and he's fair you know so they take a very like logical investigative non-sensationalized approach and so i met with dan sturges as well and i just learned about their experiences because yeah, it was just incredibly interesting to hear. And I, yeah. I've been to a seance, but I haven't been on a physical ghost hunt, though I really want to oh, go. I just okay. want to go with the right people. Like Dan I Surges, I know, goes sometimes, and he'll take a medium. He'll take some of the mediums I'm friends with. So I'm like, hopefully I can go with him at some point. I need to know about the seance. I've only watched Oof. him on, like, Discovery. You don't have to go through, like, don't give the chapter away, so to speak, but... <laughs> From being <sighs> as skeptical as you were, like, isn't that terrifying to go into? Like, were you scared? It's an anticipatory way, but what scared? Like, what bad thing could happen? That's the thing. Like, to me, I'm always like, there's a type of like tingly anticipation. Mm-hmm. And I don't like mind giving away a little bit about the sounds, but like, Honestly, I'll just say it so no one gets their hopes up. It turned out to be, like, complete and utter bullshit. Although there are seances I've heard where possibly they're, they sound like they're genuine. This one turned out to be a complete fraud. And there's ones I've heard otherwise about. So I am really hoping to get into one of the otherwise ones. And mainly the one who's supposed to be just amazing, who's been highly investigated, is this man, Stuart Alexander, in England. And I'm just like... I've only heard good things about him. The one I went to, and I don't name and shame, he was a complete fraud. But no, I wasn't scared, like scared, scared. It was like tingly, excited. Like, yeah, but people seem to think if you don't believe in this stuff that much that there's fear. And to me, it's more like excited fascination, like the way I'd feel if I got to go into outer space. And got to explore other planets and just had shocks like while exploring them like discovering other life but life that was friendly it's just like mm-hmm. to me what was really genuinely bone chillingly terrifying was the idea of just having consciousness completely obliterated one day like death was terrifying to me mm-hmm. this stuff is like like it's it just feels good to me i mean it's fascinating i get chills there's a lot of physiological reactions but I'm not scared the way people are like, ooh, ghosts, scary. I'm like, oh, my God, let me see, like, ghosts. This is just 
amazing. So that's more my take on all of that. Have you ever looked into studying Claire's senses? Yeah, that's like basically psychic medium abilities. You mean like clairsentience? That's there's like the clairs the mediums so so talk about. Five, like I call it the five spiritual senses, and I can't list all oh, okay. them off because I usually have a piece of paper. But there's clair audience <laughs> where they talk to you in your ear. There's the psychic medium with the third eye. You get visions. There's a nose one where you can like smell diseases and death. Uh, and I can't remember the other one. I feel like. It's oh, like clear, cognizant, like tasting, like knowing, feeling, yeah, physically. Yeah, there's like a knowing one too where you always just get like downloaded information. Um, but again, from your sciencey skeptic viewpoint, if you came across someone was like, oh, I'm clairaudient, I'm clairsentient, I'm claircognizant, what type, what way would you go in and research those as a skeptic at first? Like, would you want to go through, like, the Monroe Institute and all the experts that you go through? Or how do you even feel about them now? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the mediums say that they have, I mean, most of them will use one of those terms to be like, I'm clairaudient and clairsentient. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll hear things and I feel. So that's, in many ways, is just getting a medium reading under controlled settings the way Winbridge Institute did and the way where I now volunteer the Forever Family Foundation who certifies certifies their mediums to assure they're accurate and specific and don't cheat and they so their mediums are amazing so it's basically just getting a medium reading and seeing if it's accurate because a lot of them the way they'll describe like Claire was it the taste is like Claire Goosey and I think it's Mm -hmm. like it's not just that, or Claire, whatever the scent is, like Claire, able to smell, <laughs> not the proper term. Mm-hmm. But from what I've heard, the ones who've talked about it, they won't say they can smell death. Although I have heard people mm-hmm. say that, and especially just like having read about people who, mediums who could just smell that. But they'll say they're able to smell or taste like your like grandmother's pie and they'll describe it to you so it's how they seem to get information from someone who's passed away Mm -hmm. and I just have theories about how this works and is that and this was also explained some to me with some mediums is that so this non-physical consciousness that we are when they pass away is um you know I, I would guess it somehow parallels the same whatever quantum type of particle that works in quantum entanglement some way i I think the way the information communicates and the mechanism is probably going to parallel i think there probably ties into like other dimensions where it's hosted that we will learn through like a string theory type of research and so it goes from one dimension to another and then presses into your nervous system and your brain And your sense, like you experience it through your nose, but your nose triggers your brain or nervous system. So it doesn't directly create the smell and go into your nose. It presses on the parts of your nervous system or brain that smells. Just like you could go into a brain study and they could poke certain parts of your brain and make you smell things that aren't there. So if I could guess it, you, you can hear things that aren't there by having them poke your brain and then... I, I once just went to this sort of like technology fair that was really cool. Or actually, no, I knew someone who was going to one. I was at the fair, but I also had coffee with him. And he was like, try these headphones. I'm making them for deaf people. And 
if you, you connect them to your iPhone and you plug your ears and you put them on your head in a certain way and they bypass your ears and go right to your brain and trigger the part that hears sound. So your ears aren't getting it. And I was hearing sound and it physiologically felt different than when I listened through my ears. It was very interesting. Wow. So I think that probably works in that way rather than like creating the sound that you then hear. That's my guess. That is so cool. I'm so glad that you yeah. brought that up. I didn't, I didn't even know anything like that existed till this moment. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it seems, I mean, it probably doesn't work for all deaf people. It probably it's certain kind, you know, certain type of deafness. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some people where there's, you know, it, you know, if there's just ear damage, but it's yeah. working perfectly in your brain. I, I don't know enough about deafness mm-hmm. and how really senses, cool, auditory senses work to have anything valid to say on the topic uh, that's totally aside from I think you sound great so I'm just again <laughs> I, I love hearing you speak um thank you so you started blogging about all these experiences anonymously you obviously felt you didn't want the criticism you didn't want the judgment you didn't want any anything from anybody why you're just trying to figure this out right um, right so finally like there's a point in the blog where you realize you want to write a book. Like, what is the turning point where you finally decide, I have all of this evidence, I have all of this stuff, now I would like to go share it? Because I know even when you, like, kind of wrote the first draft, it was still very anonymous, and you're like, damn it, I have to tell them it's me. I have to, you know, put more of my personality and more detail in the book. So explain a little bit of that evolution to me. Yeah, it wasn't like an overnight thing. It was, I was getting more and more involved socially in this community. These people were really normal. And they had like normal, cool friends and normal, cool relationships. And, you know, some are married to like, I mean, most of them because we are more women and like gay men than the average industry, though I used to work in fashion, so, you know, it's the norm to me, mm-hmm. but, you know, so I was going to say, like, husbands and boyfriends, and, you know, there are some straight men who are married to women in it, and, or, you know, and some of the younger single ones are, like, dating, and just, uh, their whole life approach is very normal, the ones I was meeting, I mean, there are the ones out there that are super woo, and, you know, their whole approach, and I don't relate to those people, and, these people are like, like, it's just funny. One of my close friends, Joe Corretta, he's a medium and so normal. Like this, again, I said, I worked in fashion and he's like this, like stylish New York gay guy who like would totally have fit in when I was working in fashion. And like my friends will meet him or see photos and they'll be like, wait, that's Joe. And I'm like, why? Because you thought he was going to be really weird. And like, well, I didn't. I was like, yeah, you thought he was going to be weird. They're like, yeah. You know? and, but, and he's one of many people who all have that reaction. So that was the media. Then there were all the researchers. And then I had my mentor in this industry. I actually had two. And sadly, like my main mentor, who was like a second mom to me, passed away, Fran Ginsburg. And her husband, Bob Ginsburg, and they founded the Forever Family Foundation. And Fran was just like, she's so taken under her wing. And she was just like such a no bullshit person. So I'd be like, well, if I ever really wrote this or talk about it, people are going to think I'm weird. She's like, well, who gives a shit? Get over it. You know, so she was really inspirational with that. And then all these friends. And then I was like, quote unquote, like coming out to some people. And I was like, this sounds really weird. But 
And people responded so well. Like, people were not like, oh, God, that's crazy. They're like, that's really interesting. And, you know, people had different reactions. You know, people I would always call normal. It was reactions from, okay, I've never told anyone this, but, and then share a crazy story. Or some people like, oh, I completely believe that. That's really interesting. And some people who were, like, in deep grief or, you know, because I was hanging out with a lot of, like, griefy people then in groups. And they were like, wow, I never thought of that. This is life-changing. And what I was getting from people overall, I mean, aside from the ones who were like, oh, yeah, I totally believe that. And I go to mediums. I was like, you do? But the other people were like, the way, wow, I never thought about this, but the way you're talking about it, it this is relatable. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, if I had heard people talk about this and people like you talk about this, you know, not to say I'm like some <laughs> special, amazing person, but you know, like a lot in general, the people you meet who talk about this are uh, of a different type, like you know, and they just don't relate well, to the type aesthetic. of people who are who approach the world more like me, who are more science minded mm-hmm. and like left kind of. Well, I mean, I'm artistic, but like you know, my approach to this is very like left brain logical. Mm-hmm. So I could talk to them, especially those in grief or maybe some that experience where I end up talking to someone who had a terminal illness who is going through this and I could relate to them in ways others couldn't. And that just started to feel more important to me than whether like some people might think I'm weird. And mm-hmm. the people I had like a really good support system with the forever family people. And then yeah, other people who were just like, you know, and then COVID happened and just like everything kind of changed so much with then. And then Fran got sick and I was like, I've, got to just like do this especially Frank getting sick I was like I've got to get over this like Mm -hmm. you know and a medium kind of I was like delaying some of the final edits and a medium was actually like hey Fran just showed me like shortly after she passed like doing these edits and she's showing me red pen I'm like oh my god okay Fran tell me to get this my ass like in Mm -hmm. gear and get this out there so that was like it it was like all of that but I'd say that was a bit of a culmination we have a lot of parallels in our story. I had a mentor that passed away right before uh, COVID was like super mainstream. And she was one of the, oh. like, she's the basis besides like the spiritual awakening talk that I go through. Um, she was the reason that I felt it was very important to start the show. Um, she was a yoga instructor that I had and I'd wake oh. up every morning and go be with her. And we did restorative yoga. Everybody in the class was either in their 50s, 60s, or the beginning of their 70s. So when I walked in, she was like, honey, I think you want like hot yoga or vinyasa or something. She's like, I don't think this is, I just, this is a really slow class is what she was saying. And I said, "Um, I just had a surgery and I have to rebuild all of my upper body strength. So this is exactly where I need to be. But thank you for thinking that apparently I only enjoy vinyasa and hot yoga because I'm really not a fan of either of those anymore. And she's like, okay. So then like the first class she came up to me and she was like, how was it? And like, she was nervous that like, I wasn't going to grasp onto her teaching style and all that. And I immediately fell in love with her. So like I woke up every day, even when I didn't want to. And I kept going to her classes and, um, we developed a wonderful friendship. She ended up coming to class one day and telling me I've done it. I've retired. My husband and I have just bought our dream home. We're moving three hours away. As soon as I get the house established, I'll have you out. We'll celebrate yada, 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 yada. Um, and I honestly think that before COVID really hit 
like when it hit, but nobody knew it hit. I think she had caught something like that because the way that she went down in the ER was like that. The crazy thing about that was is I've heard of like enlightenment experiences through yoga practices. That's like the main thing. Like yoga means to yoke with the divine, your physical body doing the work for your soul. So I looked at that kind of happening to me in the beginning when I was experiencing these phenomenon is what I like to call it. And I was sitting down meditating one day, getting ready to do yoga. Cause after she left the studio, I went ahead and took a break. I had also found out I was pregnant at that time. So Congrats. thank you so much. Not anymore. She's three. So we're really moving right along. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I was only doing Kundalini yoga and you can't do Kundalini yoga, like with breath restrictions through your pregnancy. At least I didn't, oh. I'm sure people can, um, but I'm not going to restrict my baby's breath in my stomach. So I ended up coming back home, going back into a softer yoga practice and really focusing on my meditation. Cause I was grieving losing Sally, like my, my main really like light in my life at that time. And that person that I could go to for honestly, really grounded spiritual advice. And we talked about nutrition and yoga and keeping your mind healthy and just affirmations, all of these very tangible, helpful, positive ways for me to keep myself afloat through this. And I had lost her just immediately. But the day she went to the hospital and I was meditating, I was sitting there and she started floating above my head in meditation and there was a big red button and she was pushing the red button and then my phone popped up in my head and it was like Sally, Sally, Sally. So I tried to come out of the meditation like my left brain ego, my eye, so to speak, um, and the intuition was telling me to call Sally call her, call her, call her. Like the red button meant emergency. It's an emergency. Something's about to happen. You need to call her. And I decided to wait it out because she had just moved into her house. She told me she was going to call me. Oh, I'll just text her in a minute, send her some love, let her know I'm thinking of her. And I didn't call her that day. She went into the ER and never came out the next day. The next day I text her, hey, the craziest happened, the craziest thing happened to me yesterday. I was meditating and you popped in my head and this happened and this happened. I just wanted you to know I'm so excited to come visit you. I can't wait to see you again. And I, I'm thinking of you and I love you. And I didn't hear anything back for about a day. Then I went to a class. I had decided to go back to the studio because I had missed the people I was with. And a lady that I had done yoga with came up to me and she's like, Hey, have you talked to Sally lately? And I said, no, I've been meaning to call her. The, like I told her the same story. I was like, the craziest thing happened. She popped up in my meditation the other day and she was like telling me to call her. And I didn't. And she's like, honey, she's in the hospital on life support. They don't think she's going to make it. Oh my God. And I go, oh my God. You heard what? that suddenly. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so and I sorry. was like, what? And they're like, yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened. So then right after the yoga class, cause I just bawled through the class. I still stayed for it, but I was like, <laughs> you gotta be fucking kidding me. Right. So then I go home and uh, oh. there's a text message on my phone from Sally and it's her husband who has her phone. And he was like, I just wanted you to know I really appreciate you reaching out to us. This is what's going on with Sally. She's told me so much about you. I'm so sorry for you. And we ended up oh, losing her. My God. 
so sorry yeah so before that had happened i had experienced what i consider to be a kundalini awakening as far as like the energy surging up your spine i won't really get into chakra talk um but as far as like the energy going up and exploding i had a greg braden do you know who he is have you ever? Oh, who's? Oh, I don't know who that is. G R E G G, and I can't think of his very fancy titles, but he has a bunch of specials on YouTube, a whole channel. He's on Gaia. I love him. He talks about heart brain coherence and breath work and how to do it, but he goes all over the place. So enjoy your rabbit hole with him because if I ever met him, I would shake his hand and be like, thank you for all the research you've done because it's very frontier like yeah. for people like me. Um, but he gave me the terminology Akashic remembering, which is the kind okay. of remembering who you are. So I used to say spiritual awakening, and I still do as a coin term for people that are having like a different consciousness expansion, perception change, whatever you'd like to call it to keep it grounded. And um, I had these heart chakra expansion moments that were opening and closing, and I was having these things coming back to me that... I was like, I felt this before. I remember this. Like, I used to study this stuff when this happened to me the first time when I was 20. And I I had a kundalini, kundalini awakening when I was 20. But like you, I had no clue what was going on in my body. I could just feel all of this energy surging in me. Like, really, it was like third eye type stuff is the best way I could say it, or pineal gland for my science people. And... I was on Google, which was probably Ask Jeeves when I was 20. And I was like, white, golden light shooting up my spine, like all this crazy stuff. And that's when I found Kundalini research and like Upanishads, even though I didn't understand them, like the most ancient yogic text you could find talking about energy in our body. And then I was researching Chinese meridian lines and acupuncture and acupressure and chakra systems and emotional codes and all of this stuff. I, it, I really didn't understand it that much at the time. So I wrote it all down in notebooks and I kept it. So then fast forward about 10, almost 11 years later, the same thing happened to me. I had a heart expansion thing happen in yoga class. I came home, all these crazy things were happening. My mother-in-law sent me to a psychic medium who had talked about these abilities that I had, I, I knew that I had had, but I don't share with anybody. And I was like, well, I know you're legit if you're pulling shit about me out of the ether. So I'm going to come and see you. So I went and saw this woman. She's one of my great friends to this day and she pulled stuff out of the ether that nobody knows I had never talked to anybody about it made absolutely wow. no sense to me how she could do it and I love to like dabble in it you know like I love hocus pocus on Halloween when I went to like tourist attractions I always wanted to like see palm readers and psychic mediums or just anything that like was <laughs> taboo I just totally wanted to go experience it but as far as me believing that like, I, I never really question, like, is this a belief or is this an interest or just something to, like, entertain myself, right? And when I had finally sat in front of that woman and had this experience with her, I started remembering all the things, like, paranormal, basically unexplainable that I couldn't explain my whole life. And I had to come to grips with the fact that those were real. That really did happen. And now I want to know how that happened. And I want to bridge the science and the spirit of it all. Because like you, I'm like, what the fuck just, what the fuck was that? 
what the fuck was like, that? What the and fuck even, just happened? Yeah. What else about, can you like, say? Yeah. You're like adding to the bag of it and you're like, okay, this was a good experience. I'm going to add it into the pro side and I'm going to keep researching and I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep meeting all these people. And like you, like you have some experiences where you're like, eh, eh, that kind of sways <laughs> me the opposite direction now. But at the end of the day, like you, I've been able to open up and like really understand like me living more and living to the fullest and having all these experiences. And at the end of the day, understanding no matter how much research I do, I'm actually not going to get the answer. But the journey of it is just life changing. So life changing. Yeah. And I mean, I, you said you're never going to get the answer. Um, I mean, I'm just accepting that proof doesn't exist. I'm going to have to settle for a preponderance of evidence. And that's better than I ever thought I would have in terms of something like survival of consciousness. And also, I just want to acknowledge, I'm so sorry about your experience with your mentor. It really is the worst. It's like losing another parent in many ways, you know? It really is. It's so hard. Thank you. And obviously for you too, I read it. I read in the book um, just how straightforward she was for you. And yeah. Sally, like Sally would have done the same thing for me. She would have been like, just get over it. And she was like get older too. Yeah. Like she was at the age where she was like, I don't give a shit what anybody thinks. But when I was mm-hmm. your age, I did. And I'm here to tell you, don't do it. Then like all, yeah. the women, all the women in the class were like that. But she was, she was definitely like my lady. And I still, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. I know you're with me. I don't know where you're at or what you're doing, but I hope you're having a hell of a time with whatever you're doing with your your new new perspective so yeah what are you yeah. doing what are you doing now like the book's published you're obviously going around still talking to people about it still experimenting but as far as your rabbit hole studies are there any new things that you're like this is blowing my mind right now or adding to oh the my piece of the puzzle god constantly so well first of all i um i'm writing a second book i think this should, there's so much content and so much has happened like my book ends i guess and like 2017 I forget if it ends in like 2016 2017 maybe 2018 mm-hmm. like kind of 2017 2018 ish is when the book ends and so obviously a lot has happened since then so Absolutely. I'm writing about everything from like 2018 to like 2020 and then there'll probably be another one after that I'm yes, I love have my it. podcast and I host science and spirituality like, I was calling them dinners, but I'm like, oh, we can also breakfast, brunches, um, where I talk about the science, and a medium gives readings, and we can host them in someone's home, we can host them at Zoom, we can host them um, really anywhere, and so we, I do those, and then, yeah, I'm doing a lot more research, so let's see, the, mo- the, the most recent thing I just went to is um it's just funny because I like look at my old book and I'm like oh my god this person and then like I've gotten to know those people like I got to know Dr. Julie Baishal if you read my book I'm like oh my god Dr. Julie Baishal like I'm so in awe of her and in my book I mentioned Dr. Jeffrey Tarrant um and I was like amazed with his research in the book he scans mediums brains using an EG and just gets I want to be um, scanned fascinating. so bad. 
I talked to it's another so guy that's like, interesting. I found out, because he didn't do it just to like see if he was a psychic medium. He was trying to see if there's a disconnection with communication and parts of his brain with like motivation and stuff like that. He scans, he not it, his own brain, although he did do a study where he scanned his yeah, own brain. Yeah. He scanned psychic certified medium's brain. But and still, I'm talking about like me being the guy that I talked to first when I heard oh, about Oh, the one you talked to. Oh, okay. found out that oh. there were two parts of his brain that weren't connecting when he went to go do an EEG. Oh, my God. So then after that, he was able to rebuild his pathways after he figured out what wasn't connecting. And he rebuilt his pathways with meditation, mindfulness, neuroplasticity research, and like lion's mane mushrooms and a bunch of other holistic alternatives. Like, he just completely revolutionized right. his life. He has his own podcast. I think it's called Mind Shift. I think. Oh, my God. What's his name? I've never heard of him. He sounds fascinating. Mm, why can't I think of his name right now? Cody <laughs> That's who it is. He's also going to be a guest on... Well, he he's already recorded. I have to release it. But it's Cody Ramallah and Mind Shift. And he's another one out there that does, like, an exploratory podcast from anything from neuroscience to psychedelics to holistic health. And he'll tell you the story of how, who he was before he like basically transformed himself and is still like sharing the journey of self-exploration and going through all this. And it's definitely like, I would say like more science. Um, I, I mean, I love the weird shit. I love going in the woo as deep as I can and then bringing it back up and trying to make it relatable and tangible for people that are like strictly left brain, which is like my whole side of the family. So when I walk in to like Christmas and stuff, they're like, what's she going to talk about now? Cause I went, ahead, like, I went ahead and just like, I was talking about like frequencies and vibration and Nikola Tesla. And then I threw Reiki in there just to see what they would do. And then I threw in meridian lines from like acupressure, acupuncture and all that. And like by the end of it, like you just kind of get mixed reviews from their family. They're just like, <laughs> and some of them like think I need Jesus right. at the end of the day, but I'm like, mm, I love you guys. But I still struggle with the same stuff that you did where it was like, okay, well, I want to go this way and I want to experience this stuff, but I don't want to be judged for what I'm trying to go out and doing. And then one day you're just kind of like, fuck it. This is my life. This is what I want to experience. And I'm really big on observing, not attaching. And I think that is what helps you if you're going to go in and research anything under the sun. You don't have to believe it if you're just going to go look at it. You know, that's the best part about it for me. And again, I've noticed that people try to label me and my belief system more than I've ever went out to try to express, express like my beliefs and all of that. But a lot of my direct experiences, just like you, are the reason that I believe that certain things exist now versus mm -hmm. being a skeptic when I did. And I was thinking it was more like Hollywood-esque. And yeah, there are certain people with certain gifts. Now I can't really... I can't really uh, subscribe to that based on what's happened to me. Because, shortcut before we play some music, um, when I had my spiritual awakening, all five clear senses ignited on me, and I was reading like people. I could give readings. I still give readings, but it's very select now because I'm back into studying the energy. But I was seeing dead people. I was seeing auras. I had past loved ones come and talk to me and I had a couple other creepy experiences I can't even bring up right now because the stories are too long. But I was directly experiencing this and I was going to like another spiritual mentor and being like, what the fuck is this? 
I've read about this in books. I've seen this in like yogic texts, but I'm a normal person, right? Like I'm a, I'm a little girl from a small town in Illinois. That can't happen to me. And then like the last four years of my life, I'm just like, I don't know if anything that I was taught or anything was real. Now I have to go and explore for my own and decide this works for me, this doesn't work for me. And like you, it's put me in a, a couple fun classrooms and a couple weird classrooms and a couple weird retreats and, you know, the list goes on and on. And I cannot wait for you to write another book. One, I can't wait to finish this. Like, I'm still on it. I'm guilty. What of part are you up to? What part? I'm, no, I'm honestly, like, slow on the uptake just so I don't have to be like, I'm on, like, chapter 10. I'm on, like, chapter 3 because I read five books at a time because I just can't quit. <laughs> But the way yeah. that you write, and I have to say this for anybody listening that's like, should I get this book? The way that she writes is the way that she speaks. So it's fluent, it's comedic, it's relatable. As I told you before we started recording, I was laughing on one page and I was crying on the other. And I was like, how did this woman make me feel this way so fast? Just by her personal story which is why I think platforms that we both have are very important because I'm not an expert in any field besides just being Cheyenne and having my own human experience. I don't have a fancy title. I don't have any of this stuff, but I have experiences that have a massive amount of life lessons in them that I've learned and I would love to share with humanity before I actually go out into the ether. And just like you, you're like, this happened. I want to talk to people about it and I want to be able to relate to people about this. You can help them with grief. You can help them just explore consciousness as a whole. And Again, besides the book, like that's why I'm so glad you came on the show. But you writing a second book and knowing that you're going to keep giving us more, because I didn't know that the book ended at 2018, so that's great. Now the next book comes out, we're going to get caught up on all of that. And I just love that I get to really keep up with all the things that you're doing, because again, we do have a lot of parallels in our wonder and like what's going on. And I love the left brain side of you and how you talk and how you bring physics into it. I could sit and listen to somebody talk to me like that all day. So trust me, when I make it to New York, I'm calling you and I'm coming yes. to all of the things that you do and are planned because they are literally, I'm washed over with just like, yes, my tribe. I have to come meet these people. Oh my God, are you coming to New York? I want to hang out. Well, I'm always planning on going everywhere any of the guests are. <laughs> my goal is to get um, a production team and be able to travel with them and go and meet all the people that I've interviewed audio in person and have them, like, everybody gets their own episode, you know? Because I'm oh all, my God. I, just I love, love that. Elevate Yay. everybody. You know how, like, when you're broke and all of your friends start a business and you want to buy all their shit and support them? Like, that's kind of yes. how I feel sometimes. I'm like, I want to support all of these amazing people doing this wonderful work. And yeah, I can go and I can buy one of your books. And I, you sent it to me. I was going to buy it, but you sent it to me. So much appreciato for that. But, or I love promoting people and I love telling people how much I love people's work. So why don't I just add this into the storytelling aspect? And I want to be a safe space and I want to be a reliable voice where you can trust that I'm like, hey, if you buy Liz's book, it's totally going to flip your perspective in a very nice, humbling, balanced way. I'm not looking to give you cognitive dissonance and tell your church to fuck off. That's not what I'm here for. But I am here to just give an alternative perspective and go, look what I found. Isn't this crazy? This is out there. I had no idea. Did you? And just kind of move on with the day. 
So I obviously go in golden retriever mode when I meet people like me. And yeah, I'm coming to New York. No, I don't have a date, but we'll keep in touch. And when I'm there, I'm there with bells on. So excited. Perfect. We'll, we'll hang out. I love it. I, I can't, can't wait. wait to meet you. Yeah, yeah. I want to do the breakfast, the lunch, the... I want to hear everybody's everything. And I mean, most yes. importantly, back to Sally. So... Sally had really great meditations and I was begging her to let me record them and make like audio files for all of us or put online or something. Truly just such a beautiful, soothing voice. And um, I didn't get her talked into it in time before she passed on. So when I think of like us recording this now, if anything were to happen to you or me, we're technically immortalized by the internet and by what we wanted to leave from people, right? And in like 50 years, whatever, like this will be amazing to have. Of Spotify. You just never know. Mm. You really don't know, but I really do think the internet's written in ink. And yeah, I think conversations like this will outlive our incarnations. And that's the most important thing to me is to meet the people that are doing this and this research that needs to be passed on. So I really appreciate you coming on the show today just to immortalize this relationship that we have on this episode and understand like it really is going to outlive us. And that is the point on top of getting it out to people and just giving that alternative perspective. Thank you. Yeah, I had so much fun. I feel like we just, it was like a natural conversation. I feel like you and I could just talk and talk for hours. Yeah, that's why I was I like, forgot I was on a podcast. When I'm going. Yes. What was okay. that? Sorry, I missed that. I was. I said I almost forgot I was on a podcast minus like the microphone in my face. So, you know, it just felt that like a good conversation good. with an interesting person, you good. know. I love it. Well, you're a very interesting person. I can't wait. You. If you want to come back on and let us know about the second book and keep coming, you that. always have a home here at the safe space. I'll be happy to host any of your stories. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'll let you know when the second book's out. It's probably not going to be for quite a few more months, but it's okay. And keep keep in contact yeah, with I'm, me. You know I'm working on it. Your book on TikTok in the meantime and telling everybody about yes. you. So. I'm excited. Aww, and definitely, yeah, you. check out Cody Ramallah's podcast, Mind Shift. I will. I think you'll really, really enjoy the science on it and the guests he brings on as well. Oh, I'm so excited. I will definitely check it. Yes. For all of my friends out there, you can obviously hit that description below. Like you always know, it's going to say connect with Liz here. And I have all the ways that you can buy the book, get in contact with her, and stay in contact with her. So go buy the book, please. Liz, thanks so much for coming on. Is there any last words you would like to say? Any sciencey skeptic advice you have out there for anybody <sighs> kind of going through those what the fuck is going on moments? Um, yeah, I guess there's like a few quotes that helped me process all of this. One was by Dr. Ian Stevenson. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying it happened. And that really allowed me to process it. Dr. Julie Beichel, I'm going to misquote, but in general, she said, like, let's just put aside all our assumptions and just see what happens and take this in. And that's what I did with myself. I would be like, okay, I'm not even going to assess, judge, have opinions it, for this period of time. Not like the whole time, but like if I'm going into a medium reading, if I'm reading about something, just 
see exactly what's in that moment. And then as soon as you step outside, like then start assessing. And that really allowed me to process a lot. It didn't, you know, I would go to the medium reading, you know, still be careful and just say yes, no, and not give my information, do all my like protocols, like fake name, but then be like, wait to assess it till you get the recording. And once I let myself sort of have that space of keeping each thing experiential for what it is and assessing afterwards, that was a really profound profoundly changing because I would bring my biases to everything beforehand and then it's not like I'm not saying believe anything but just don't assess it in the moment just experience it in the moment and assess it like even half an hour later so great I love that advice and I'm glad again I'll be able to listen back to it whenever I want yes we'll come back whenever you want and friends before we get out of here vitality exposed is bringing oh this really cool clip from this band from austin texas they're called nightcap have you heard of them if you haven't please go to spotify right now download follow them they're really funny on social media they just look like a great group great group of guys my goodness i'm getting tongue-tied over it um they're up and coming to me like they have wonderful great festive vibes and I'm really thinking I'm really really thinking that in a couple years people are going to look back and go Cheyenne was talking about Nightcap when they only had like 80,000 followers or something so go give them a follow check this track called Eileen out and see me on the next episode for all of your vicarious living needs love you all we'll see you on the next one This is the Hoosier Media Network, your home for podcasting.